Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. I'm unfortunately wearing quitter underwear today. The elastic is shot. And they're oh, kind of, I'm so sorry. They're kind of sliding down around my hips. I find it very oh. uncomfortable. Oh, it's a terrible feel. I don't feel like a man can work this way. Quitter socks or quitter drawers? Which is worse? They're both not good. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I have a new favorite sort of uh, unders, and and I want to talk about it, but I really I, I want to reach out to the company and see if we can get into a business relationship. Best best undergarments I've ever worn. Are you willing to mention the brand or not? No. Okay. Wait, not unless you... they're paying for it. Oh, wow. Interesting. Some sort of thong? <laughs> yeah, Michael. That's what I'm rocking, the thong. Well, because I wear really tight yoga pants, as you can see. And, uh, yeah, I hate the panty lines. You don't want VPL? No. No, indeed. Humiliating. <laughs> Humiliating. <laughs> So, CEO of one of the largest nonprofit shelters in America, making millions off the money being thrown at bums and junkies. No way. You're <laughs> telling me there's somebody profiting from the homeless industrial complex? That can't be. Yeah. I had a uh, scary run in with a street person over the weekend. Oh, my uh, gosh. Another one? Tell you about it in a second. Well, you can tell us about it now if you want. I've uh, I've come to just accept that I guess this is just going to be part of life if you're going to live in a West Coast city, um, and just part of the deal. So I'm I'm pulling up to an establishment. Uh, there are street people around, but that's not something I would even throw into the conversation if I was talking to somebody from the area I live in, because there are street people around freaking everywhere. There just are. Just like there have always been. Oh, no, no, that's right. There used to be not many no, at all. No, no, never. I would never run into people like this 20 years ago, same town, or 15 years ago, or even 10 years ago. But anyway, and uh, I don't know if I can't speak to the person's homelessness or whatever, but, you know, uh, just hanging around with a backpack, drunk, drug addict sort of thing. Anyway, I pull up to a business, and as is often the case, uh, either or both my kids don't want to get out of the car to go into the store. Or into the place because there are uh, randos around and we've had a bad experience in the past. So because the car, I'm parked right in front. I mean, I'm just feet away. I figure it's better for them to stay in the car than not because I'm going to be able to see the car right from the door. I'm going to be right there. So I'm going to stay in the car. So I start to walk uh, toward the building. My son's in the car. And uh street person says, uh, hey, I'm looking for somewhere. Other. I say, oh, okay, yeah, it's over there, I think, or whatever. And he said, hey. And he walks over by my car. He's heading toward another business. He said, where's something? I point. He starts walking. Down. He said, who's that in there? I said, what? Who's that in that car? I said, why are you asking? Who's that in your car? Oh my, my son's God. sitting in there. Crazy person. I said, why are you asking? He said, what the? And then I, I wish I could repeat it, but I can't say all the words. What the F? Blah, blah, blah. Why? I can't ask. Just start screaming and yelling and waving his arms around. Standing right next to the passenger door of my car car with my nine-year-old inside. Oh, my God. Who's looking at me wide-eyed. And I got the same damn situation as I had at the restaurant where, okay, what do I do now? What, am I fighting this guy or hoping he leaves or is he about to start to try to open the door or... 
He just starts screaming and yelling nonsense, dropping uh. F-bombs, waving his arms, obviously very angry about who in the hell knows what. Why did he ask who's in my car? Um, and, and eventually he walked off. Thank God. I didn't call the police. You know why? Because they wouldn't have done anything. They can't do anything. They'd have told you the real tragedy is that a man like that doesn't have a free home furnished by the taxpayers. Those people are everywhere. And these businesses that are trying to survive are trying to survive with customers who are like, I don't want to go to that place because i got to walk by these people. Right, right. You see there's uh, dangerous-looking junkies out back or just out front, and you just keep driving. So what I think I've noticed, and this would fit in with the whole vibe of people stealing stuff and all that sort of thing, is the, the, the street crowd... The other side of the law crowd has become emboldened. It seems to me that in the old days, if I made it clear, if I kind of like, you know, stood up straight, you'd allow, use a loud voice or whatever, they would slink off. They don't anymore. They get in your face. Right. Because they've become emboldened. They, they know no police are going to show up. They know nobody's going to call the cops. Mm-hmm. They know no uh, sanctions exist for exactly. them stealing or committing an assault or what have you. Or doing drugs it's publicly, freaking, taking a dump on the sidewalk. It's freaking scary, and there's enough bad things that have happened to people. Unfortunately, you get, you, man, you got to have your head on a swivel if you're going to be anywhere in a West Coast city. Enjoy your vacation plans if you're coming to the West Coast to visit Portland or San Francisco or any San Diego, any of the places you want to. Right. Well, be, and I would expand that to the you know blue cities like Austin, Texas, Missoula, Montana, Boise, Idaho. It's incredible. You're you're in uh, you know Eagle City, Idaho. You're great. You go 20 miles down the road or so, whatever it is, to Boise, you are beset by bums and junkies. Why would a society put up with this crap? Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's, it's so unwise. And it is so, such a disservice to the people who have drug habits and alcoholism. Because you're making, you're enabling. We are in a society of enablers. Okay, so you're a junkie. We're going to make it effortless and comfortable to be a junkie. We're going to make the other taxpayers, well, the taxpayers, pay for your habits and your accommodations, your food, your medicine. And indeed, if you misbehave in any way, if you make yourself a public menace, if you are a thief and a robber, we will help you get away with it. That you enact policies like that, you get the results we see, and, and people are confused how it happened. I don't. What color is the sky in your world? How can it be any more clear? What's happening? I don't know. Uh, it's just in a certain mood about it, or if it's just my new uh, view of the world. I, my feeling was, this is just going to continue to happen until enough people get hurt or murdered, and then uh, then public will will grow, and then we'll. Something will be done about it. It's the way the pendulum works on these things. Until enough people get stabbed or attacked or whatever. Poor woman that got killed in the local area recently. Until enough of those happen, there won't be any public will to do anything about this. Unless the society just continues to decay, which I certainly hope is not the case. Um, It's not decaying in a lot of places in America where they won't have this crap. So uh, I've mentioned this before. Uh, When I was a little kid growing up in Chicagoland, my parents subscribed to the Chicago Tribune, which was definitely the more conservative newspaper in the area. And I read it all the time as a little kid. I was a weird little kid. Um, Explains a lot. Uh, But one of the things I became acutely aware of in Chicagoland, which was always a, a way democratic city, was that you would funnel enormous amounts of money to so-called charity programs as the government. And those charity programs existed as bribes to various civic so-called leaders, so-called civil rights leaders, whatever. You'd give them just a mess load of cash. 
claiming to accomplish some wonderful purpose. They would spread it out to their cronies and in the neighborhood, and then those people would always show up and vote Democratic. And, you know, that's the way the scam works. Well, this is kind of similar. This is out of New York City. The CEO of the Core Services Group, which is one of the city's largest nonprofit shelters, wait till you hear about this guy. Had all sorts of family on the payroll, funneled millions of dollars into companies he had financial stakes in. The, the New York Post examined 2,000 pages of tax returns, contracting disclosures, and legal documents involving Core Services Group and found a web of companies with ties to the nonprofit's <laughs> CEO, Jack Brown. The experts told the Post that the setup appears to serve little purpose other than placing Brown at the center of lucrative transactions. This is your homeless industrial complex. And now you've got L.A. and San Francisco, for instance, who have committed a billion dollars each more to homeless uh, money. Oh, yeah. And Gavin Mussolini, the lunkhead governor of California, pledging $12 billion is, uh, I guess, uh, next year uh, to eliminate homelessness. We're following the science. So this guy, among other things, created a string of for-profit companies that have received millions of dollars to provide key services at course shelters. Oh, so you need cleaning, you need food, you need equipment, you need painting, you need all sorts of things. Boy, who are you going to hire to do that? How about the companies you created? For-profit. A firm in which Brown, Brown holds a substantial stake received more than $3 million in rent over two years from his nonprofit, according to tax filings. At least three family members of Brown are members of the Corps' various boards. Oh, they have several different boards of directors. They're employed by the nonprofit or related entities, according to records, and they that's, each draw a salary. That's pretty clever. Why just have one board of directors that's getting uh, fake salaries? Have a whole bunch of boards of directors. I'm on the board of directors for the blah, 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 homeless, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you're such a good person. Sure. Brown made at least half a million dollars from CORE and its affiliated nonprofits in 2019 alone. Uh, Brown got another more than half million dollars from his related for-profit subsidiaries. The New York Times said in a report published Sunday, his brother Curtis made 140 grand the same year. The brother of a member of the nonprofit's board of directors, one Gordon Jackson, made at least $190,000 as Cord's head of community affairs. Additionally, the head record... of community affairs. Exactly. Well, <laughs> somebody's got to manage, you know, the affairs with how, the community. How are community affairs going? Right on, right on track. Swimmingly. Okay. Good, good to hear. Records also revealed that another tightly linked nonprofit controlled by Brown employs Mallory Jones, whose husband sits on the subsidiary organization's board and made $174,000 that year. You know, I feel like there's two kinds of people. There's the people that are smart enough to realize this is the way the world works and profit off of it. And then the rest of us dopes who pay for it. Those are the two crowds of people. Yeah. Yeah, and it's existed for a very long time, but but it's growing. You got to admit, it's growing, right? You know, as I've recommended many times, read uh, the Dictator's Handbook by Bruce. Oh, he's got a musical name, something something De La Mesquita. Um, but it's all about every government, every government from Kim Jong Il's to Joe Biden's, collects money from the people or sacks the treasury, then hands it out to the people that keep them in power in some Bingo. systems Bingo. in some systems it's just the general and the the generals and the secret police 
and then the upper reaches of the military. In some systems, it's the cronies who get the people to vote in the the, the boroughs of New York or the uh, the aldermen of Chicago, whatever you call them uh, in Chicago. It's just it's a scam. That's why all these. All these, well, we just need to raise, to raise taxes. We need to have a, a bond issue to help the homeless, to, to help the poor, the downtrodden, the drug addicted. We just need to raise the taxes to do that. It's a scam, folks. It's a scam. The government has way more than they need to accomplish these problems. Please, come on, wake up. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Joe Getty. I got my sexy pants on. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A couple of quick notes for you. A uh, piece in the major piece in the Washington Post. Really interesting. Messy, incomplete U.S. data hobbles pandemic response. Yeah, you think <laughs> we noticed. Nobody has any idea what they're talking about. New York City. Their school employees union said, we're asking the courts to strike down the mandate. In California, you can't bring the kids back until there's a mandate. New York, they're trying to get rid of all the mandates. All right, whatever. Go figure. And then this piece that I really like from the Wall Street Journal, uh, Dr. Monica Gandhi, talking about COVID will soon be endemic, meaning it's just going to be around. And she writes, Australia, China, and New Zealand have pursued zero COVID policies that aim at elimination or even eradication. That goal is unrealistic. Smallpox is the only human disease that's ever been eradicated. The smallpox virus has, has had four properties that made it eradicable. The lack of an animal, reser- animal reservoir, clear and distinctive signs and symptoms, mm. a short period of infectiousness, and both lifelong natural immunity after survival and a highly effective vaccine they point out that uh, the chinese bat fever on the other hand has animal reservoirs a high level of transmissibility overlapping symptoms with other respiratory diseases a prolonged period of infectiousness caused by its propensity to spread from asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic carriers so she says that's why reducing the disease from epidemic to endemic is the best case one that will allow full return to normal um then she gives some more examples and gets into people who are not getting their their babies vaccinated for incredibly important things. But anyway, officials tried a wide variety of measures to control the Chinese bat fever. Masks, social distancing, lockdowns, travel restrictions, ventilation, testing, contract tracing. These had varying levels of success, but ultimately proved insufficient to control the virus in a sustained way. That will require widespread immunity. Um, You know, there's more to it, and it's it's well-written and all. But our point is, look, do the things we know. Get vaccinated, or if you don't, you got to be extra careful, or you're going to get it. You're going to take your chances on dying. But the idea that we can just let's clamp down the economy, let's eliminate all these jobs just for another six months, and we can eradicate this thing, it will never ever happen. These mandates, you know, it, 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 they're counterproductive uh, in that it's it's turning all of this into a political issue. Going into the pandemic, I don't think any of us thought vaccines and masks and all that sort of stuff would be political issues, but they've managed to turn it into a political issue. And now people are getting more and more dug in and going forward. So much of our health stuff is going to be political and it's going to be counterproductive, as he pointed out. You think you're going to get more people vaccinated by making it mandatory, but you're not. You're going to make it worse by driving people into camps. And now politicians are going to run on, I'll stop the mandates. And, you know, it just even becomes more solidified as part of who you are. 
Right. It's it's one of the more interesting aspects of the time I've spent on Earth watching the American left go from the party of uh, freedom almost to the point of anything goes to the party of we want to control everything to bring you a utopia. And I don't care whether you're raising a child or running a state or gripping a golf club. Do you think the tighter you grip it, the better you're going to be? Usually not. And And I think that's what we're seeing. And pre-pandemic, not getting vaccinated or not getting your kids vaccinated was a lefty thing. But, you know, Trump changed it all around. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, just uh, to finish up the discussion of the Monica Gandhi piece, Dr. Monica Gandhi, uh, who's with the uh, she's a professor of medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. She's writing about how, listen, eliminating covid is impossible. It's never going to happen for a variety of reasons. All you can do is learn to live with it. Um, And then she talks about different countries and what they're doing right now. Uh, We will need to accept that. The non-eradicable disease is endemic. A low burden of disease should facilitate the transition. And although SARS-CoV-2 has proved unpredictable, no, and here's, here's your key point, no virus in history has ever to continue to evolve to higher pathogenicity, meaning no virus in history has ever evolved to get more and more deadly. As we learn from HIV, mutations usually incur costs to viral fitness or render the virus weaker. Because killing the host quickly doesn't do the virus any good, in other words. No vaccine-preventable or immunity-inducing infection has ever raged on as a pandemic indefinitely. An endemic virus doesn't require continuing isolation and other restrictions. Defanging Chinese bat fever by stripping it of its ability to cause severe disease through immunity will relegate it to the fate of the other four circulating cold-causing coronaviruses. The key to this normalcy is immunity whether vaccines or natural immunity. So uh... time for the emergency powers to go away. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. We haven't had an exciting new serial in what feels like a hundred years. Remember how thrilling serial news used to be? Remember when Tricks tried to unite a divided country by introducing Wildberry Blue, a new fruit shape that wasn't just red or blue, but both? Of course you do. It was as controversial as it was delicious, and it represented what cereal could be at its best. Innovative, inexplicable, transformative. John Oliver saying we need to have more innovation in our cereals. We have been stuck in a rut for quite some time. Um, I, I do not eat children's cereals like you and Sean do. I'll just step back and let you discuss well, it. My so perhaps you have children, an opinion on beanies with spinning propellers on the top. My, then... my children eat children's cereals, and uh, there has been no one. They're eating the same children's cereals that existed when I was a kid, and that's not right. They're not driving the same cars as when I was a kid. They're not playing Pong, yeah, the, but they're eating the same cereals as when I was a kid. The oops all berries thing happened when I was a child, right? Come on, Captain. Let's uh, let's let's get the Crunchberry things uh, a little bit more innovative. They can't be out of ideas, can they, <laughs> for, for cereals? And my kids are eating the same ones I ate as a kid? Seems ridiculous. Well, to me, the Crunchberry is timeless, though. 
I mean, some of your fringe cereals, perhaps we can toy with them. But like G.K. Chesterton taught us, tradition is rooted in our ancestors and their beliefs, and we should not toss them aside easily. And if they ate peanut butter crunch, we should eat peanut butter crunch. <laughs> so uh, a bipartisan, bipartisan congressional executive commission on China. Uh, Democrats and Republicans put out a letter saying... Uh, urging NBA stars to end their endorsement deals with Chinese brands. I, we, I, we knew this was coming. I was talking to my, my parents about this just the other day. I said they, they brought up the, the idea of all the companies that do business with China. I think that's going to rapidly come to a close. I think that's going to happen fast. The pressure is going to mount, and then it's just going to be you can't even be in China. It'll be, uh, it'll, it, it, be, it would be death for your business. Wow, that would be something. Um, so Chairman Senator Jeff Merkley, Democrat, Oregon, explained that um, a lot of these players signed these deals with Chinese companies before 2018, before revelations began emerging of concentration camps. But at this point, we cannot be involved. We believe that commercial relationships with companies that source cotton in Xinjiang create reputational risks for the NBA players and the NBA itself. We uh, say NBA players should not even implicitly be endorsing such horrific human rights abuses. This is um, minor in that it's, you know, a few, a handful of players in the NBA. I think it's major in that we're going to be heading this direction with all our companies soon. Wow. Wow. Yeah, okay. All right. It's, again, that is going to be jarring and incredibly expensive. There, what was, I can't remember the publication that I was, I read a, a chunk here, a chunk there from uh, the compromises Apple has had to make to function in China. And on the one level, it's understandable. Tim Cook says, look, we need to follow the laws in the countries where we operate. It just happens that the laws in China compel you to be part of their oppressive totalitarian state and not like just not interfere with it. You're an active part. I got to believe they're having meetings at Apple where they realize it's just a matter of time. I don't know if it's going to be this year or in three years, but we're going to have to figure out how to do business without being in China. Uh, When the world finally has all the evidence it needs that China, you know, started this whole virus and let it get out of control and and a number of other things that are going to come out of China. I just think there's going to be a a, a public will, a public feeling of you just can't do that. It's not okay anymore. Yeah. I don't know how quickly you get there. Like I said, I don't know if it's this year or three years from now, but I think it'll happen. Here's your devil's advocate argument. There are trillions of dollars at stake, and the companies that are going to make or not make those trillions of dollars are going to hire the best lobbyists in the world to try to influence not only American foreign policy, but the statements of the American government about China. They are going to be hammering. The Biden administration, uh, and soon the Harris administration, soon after that, anybody but the Harris administration, uh, they'll be hammering them to soften their stance on China. Let's find a way to work this out. <laughs> How about we just uh, finance every single Democratic congressional candidate in America for the next five years? What do you think of that? The pushback is going to be gargantuan. My niece is trying out this weekend. Uh, she's going to Colorado for some big thing where, because she's a freshman in high school, where the, the the scouts come from all over the country to watch you to see if you're, you know, the next thing. Mm. And um, as a freshman, they're already getting college scouts. They they wow. they start younger than that. But um, oh heck yeah, yeah. Soccer's her big thing, um, and she's you know got some colleges she's hoping she can get into. 
that way. But it's it's man, the the the, the sports thing. Uh, one of my best friends of all time, his daughter is a Division One uh, track athlete, walk on, and um, she came from a tiny tiny school, so she was not recruited, but she walked on and made the team. But his talks the way we just the way we just destroy kids now with sports. Mm-hmm. If if you're good at it, because you just but like my my niece has been injured every time I've seen her since she was like six six years old, oh. maybe just always coming off a a broken foot or an elbow or a something because she's super hardcore competitive sports year round. There are no seasons. If you you know you just you pick your sport, soccer, basketball, whatever it is, a kid, and if you're good at it, it's year round constant beating on your body to yeah. the exclusion of everything else also right right i know it i was talking to actually it's my personal trainer uh, jean jacques who's a who's a t- absolutely terrific guy he's a proud dad uh but one of his uh, kids is a really good softball player and i asked him hey you doing something fun memorial day weekend he said yeah well we were gonna do this blah 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 but a tournament came up and so and and a lot of you live this lifestyle and if if you're happy it's great if you're happy but you know, am- clap your hands <laughs> That's a good sign. It's a good sign to others. Um, I'm grateful in a weird way that none yeah. of my kids was an elite enough athlete that I yeah. lived that lifestyle. I, I know, and I, that's a weird thing to think, but that is exactly what's going on this Memorial Day weekend. My, my other brother is meeting me and my boys at Grandma and Grandpa's house. Um, the the other brother and his uh, daughters won't be there because of this uh, this tournament, this playing tournament. And, you know, I don't... I think he's, you know, I'm not saying he's not making the right choice. I think he's absolutely making the right choice, and it's what she wants to do. But I, it doesn't bother me that I don't have a kid that's going to be on that track. You know, it it relates to, and I read something pretty eloquent about this, and so I will probably ruin it. Um, but uh, there's an element of the parents serve the children and the children set the priorities of the family. Ah, uh, yes. When yes, the whole family yes, is chasing yes. around to tournaments every weekend and the rest of it, or that I'm not sure is great. I, and listen, this might sound selfish. I don't know. I have a life. I have things I want to do. I have things I need to do. I have things I enjoy doing uh, that stimulate me. And, and watching children play sports like all the time, isn't super high on that list. Well, and um, because I've observed this with others, if you have one kid who's a standout athlete, that affects the other kid that's not really that into sports because right. the weekend's the weekend's shot for yeah. eight months out of the year. Yeah, the family's and, not going to go do this because we're going to the soccer tournament. And I'm musing here, folks. I am not judging anybody. I've not walked a mile in your su- shoes because number one, I'd have to steal your shoes, and then I don't even imagine. I, can't, the, I don't know how would that happen if they're not the same size. I mean, if they're too tight, or what if right. they're giant clown shoes? Right. <laughs> well, there's no need. What are you going to call them? Three hundred pounders next there, please. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess that uh, that covers that. Uh, and ninety-five yeah. percent of the cases, right? These elite athletes are elite at their current level, but they're, you know, it's it's just something to do as a kid. They're, they will never, not move up. No, they won't. They won't even play in college, let right. alone anything beyond that. Get a full scholarship, the rest of it. And it doesn't matter how many times it's proved that the best thing for an athlete is to play different sports. Play your main sport for its season. You can do workouts and the rest of it, but do other things for part of the year. It doesn't matter how often that's that's shown. Everybody... 
Everybody thinks if you're ahead as an 11-year-old, you'll be ahead as an 18-year-old and you will get the scholarship. Well, yeah, and it's not true. No matter t- how many times it's, it's not, gotta, it's not necessary. No, no matter how many times it's been proved also that if you're like professional level athlete, you can start whatever sport you want to start when you're 14 and you'll be fine. Yep. <laughs> you'll still dominate all the other kids who've been playing since they were eight. With a good coach, you will catch up in a big, big hurry. But anyway, I'm not going to tell America how to live no. its life. Just no. the professionalization of youth sports has bothered me for a long time. I signed my son up for football this year and really convinced him hard to do it, and his best friend is doing it, and I'm already regretting it. I'm uh, n- not because of the head injuries and all that sort of stuff, but, man, they the football thing is a commitment. I've had other parents say, ooh, that's a commitment. Um, <laughs> and then I oh think, er, did I do this? Because they're starting practice here early in July, three days a week before school even starts. And then during school, it's three nights a week for a couple of hours and then games on Saturdays. And that's a lot of time for an 11-year-old to be yeah. focusing on one sport. So I'll see how this goes. I'll see how this goes. All right. All right. Not sure it was a good idea. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Joe Getty. I forewarned you. Let's go, Brandon. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The seven types of rest you need in your life, and none of them are sleep. Sleep is its own thing. These are the seven types of rest you need in addition to sleep, all right? You getting out a pen to write this down? I am. I'm actually recalling a childhood, uh, boyhood joke. Why was the criminal uh, so energetic? Because he was arrested. Tell you what, you're seven, seven years old, you're slayed by that joke. Studio audience loved it. I think yeah. you have to go younger for why did Silly Billy tiptoe past the medicine cabinet so, yeah. he, so he wouldn't wake the sleeping pills. That's a, even younger yet. <laughs> My eight- and ten-year-old niece will call Judy and me uh, to hit us with a string of jokes from their joke books. <laughs> <laughs> it's really quite funny. Oh, that is funny. Oh, we got ducks yesterday. I have to mention that. We got ducklings. The boys are very excited what? about it. You talk about cute. Oh, my God. A couple of kids playing with their baby ducks. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow, excellent. You going to raise them to big ducks or eat them? Or I guess so. One of, we're going to raise them. You don't give them names and play with them and then eat them. That would be weird. Mm-hmm. One of them is named Ducky. One of them is named COVID. They're very cute. <laughs> Shows the two personalities of the kids, actually. Now, did uh, you? Oh, the, the kids chose them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask if you did. COVID <laughs> the duck. The, the kids have chosen all the names. That's how you end up with a female dog named Kevin. <laughs> Please stop using gendered language when you're naming your dog. Kevin the female <laughs> dog. <laughs> I, was fighting, I was fighting back against gender stereotypes by naming a female dog Kevin. It's very the, admirable. The bitch. <laughs> um, seven types of rest. And then we can uh, get into each of them if you want to. Creative, sure. mental, physical, social, emotional, sensory, and spiritual. And you need to do all of these to feel rested. I think I, I understand most of them, but give us a brief uh, uh, description. And I don't do all of them. <clears throat> well, I'll give you, uh, for instance, sensory rest. Well, p- part of this is different activities drain different reservoirs of energy 
Yes. And, and those are the things. So this is trying to, if you do one thing, you're, this reservoir is going to get drained, and here's how you refill it back up. Yep. Here's one that I don't notice until I get into a restive state. Then I realize what a big deal it is. Sensory rest. Uh, you're likely experiencing constant overload, but you don't realize that we live with bright lights and background noise, kids yelling, traffic whizzing by, phones beeping. It all takes a toll if you ever get into a quiet, dark space to rest your senses. Um, whenever I do that, that's when I realize how loud and bright everything is. Interesting. So, like a dark space and, huh. Okay. Give your senses a chance to fully relax and recharge. Yeah. Huh. Is this too, is now, this too soft, sit... all this? Is this like... No, not at all. Not does it at make all. perfectly good sense to you? I think it does. I think you can be a super dynamo tough guy, but you got to recharge. Now, sitting alone in the dark, drinking and muttering angrily. Does that count? <laughs> With your pet duck COVID. This is, this is my sensory uh, recharge. Mental rest. This one's kind of old-fashioned. Practicing meditation, such as focusing on a single word or thought, even just for a few minutes, gives your brain a chance to settle down, slow down a little bit, studies show. Yeah, my meditation word is vengeance. Vengeance. <laughs> and then oh, you, really, and really then you recite the names on your list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yep. In a different order every time. Sometimes alphabetical, sometimes by age, sometimes by the level of my hatred. <laughs> it's like you can go from low price to high or high price to low on the Internet. Exactly. It's that sort of thing. Yeah. Or recent, most recent. Right. Sort by level of hatred. Or oldest hatred to newest hatred, newest right. hatred to oldest hatred. You know, that that's one of my favorites. I've been hating this guy since fourth grade, whereas this uh. other guy I just started hating the other day at work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> really put stuff in perspective. Uh, physical rest, counterintuitive, but it says movement improves circulation, which makes your body feel better and helps you get more sleep. So getting a little movement, apparently a lot of people get stressed out s- not moving enough. Oh, yeah, absolutely so true. Yeah, in the modern world. Emotional rest, we're not connecting with people or important things, and we're not getting or we're not recharging that emotional uh, part of our brain. I don't see that as rest. That seems as a bit of a a stretch, isn't it? I don't know. Rest from the wife's nagging. No, (laughs) easy. Easy. You're a newlywed. Hot mic. For other people. Hot mic. (laughs) Um, I see that as more as recharging, but I'll allow it. If you feel I'm not okay, I'm anxious, I'm scared, it could be a uh, you're not connecting enough with other people, you begin to feel like nobody knows the real you, that's a dangerous headspace to be in, and it can lead to problems like depression. So emotional rest. Anyway, maybe we ought to post this at armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, depression and paranoia. I start to think weird things. Like, what are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me like that? You know? I need that. This is good stuff. It's at armstrongandgetty.com. So mutter in the dark while drinking with your list of people you hate. Yes, it's so <laughs> relaxing. I feel so cleansed when I'm done. I wasn't here yesterday. I was ill, and uh, I was talking to a doctor about it, and he said the symptoms you have, it's almost guaranteed it was something you ate. Um, uh, actually, I was, I was around some people last night, and I said, uh, you know, probably a good thing I'm wearing a mask because I've been pretty sick for the—I was really, really sick last night— and uh, he, he said, what do you have? And I said, well, you know, I had uh, gastrointestinal problems. Uh, some coarser people call it. Out of both ends. That's exactly what was happening. Hmm. Oh, my God. And it was rough. As bad as, as bad as I've ever had, certainly. And like chills and shakes Horrible and stuff, too, right? Horrible chills. Like, yeah, I'm propped yeah. up in bed. 
covers around me and just my whole body shaking. And I Out thought, of nowhere and then it goes away? And I was really yeah. in bad shape. And uh, the only thing I can narrow it down to. Yeah, they it, have attorneys. It was really delicious. Oh, boy. Arby's. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's a shame. Now, um, I didn't I didn't really eat anything else, but. So I don't know what to. Uh, I ate ballpark shrimp two days in a row, as I discussed on the show yesterday. And you were fine. Went to a baseball game in Florida. You're, you're leaving got, out half. How was how was the shrimp presented to you? It, well, I was, I was getting there, Sean. Okay, okay. It's coconut shrimp in a waffle cone. What? <laughs> it was the best thing ever. What? Oh, big waffle cone full of coconut shrimp with like a sweet coconut sauce on them. Yeah. Oh, my God. If you tell me that in two days, it might sound good. But right now, <laughs> I'm having trouble not vomiting thinking about it. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. I'm still not over whatever happened to me. And if it was food related, all I had was I had like a granola bar, like those really dry, crumbly granola bars. I don't see how anything bad could be in one of those. Yeah, it's very unlikely. And uh, the only other thing I ate was that delicious, delicious Arby's sandwich. Well, maybe Google uh, granola bar recall. Who knows? Maybe was, there's some tomaine in there or some in the, salmonella. I was in line at Arby's for a really long time. So it was the drive-thru. Mm-hmm. And and it was so long that I was wishing I could back up and get out of it. I mean, because it had been oh, 20 minutes, I'll bet, of waiting in a drive-thru. It was just a ridiculously long time. Yeah, I got jokes I want to make that I really shouldn't. So does that make it more likely that uh, something happened at the Arby's? That they're the running long s- line. They're yeah, they were behind. Said we don't have time to cook it all the way through. Get the sandwiches out there, or something like that. <laughs> we're out of new meat. <laughs> Is there anything in the back? No, see that never happened. That no, was not a, at Arby's. Unattempted not, humor, a poor I, attempt. I'm a, I, I've been a proponent for Arby's for a, forever, and they yes, get you've fo- defended them against yes. the elitist New York oh, media. We forgot John Stewart Daily Show regularly would blast <laughs> Arby's no. As, no. as being something you shouldn't eat. Way out of line. No, and I've always said no. Arby's is fantastic. Never had a problem until uh, perhaps now. Uh, yeah, but and I don't know that it's their fault, but you're right. I'll bet that bar, there's probably a recall on that granola bar I ate, and that explains that's, it. That's the most likely, yeah, sure, sure it is. Jeez, if oh. you can get that sick from eating the wrong thing, it makes me want to be super, super cautious from now on. Oof. Armstrong and Getty.